Want to read with us? We're going to re be reading out of the book of Judges, chapter number five and verse number twenty-three. And as you find, as you're finding your text this morning, I do want to remind the men that uh, our men's fellowship uh, is coming up on Friday this week. It's the seventeenth. So I uh, hope that you'll make plans to uh, join us and be with us, and we're going to have a good time in the Lord. I'll be speaking. Uh, whatever the Lord gives me for that devotion and, and we'll have something for you to eat and we'll have a good time of fellowship. Like Brother Corey says, we kind of look for reasons to get together, whether it be church or men's fellowship or ladies' Bible study or, or an outreach ministry or revival or camp meeting or youth camp. Amen. This is what I live for. I love, I love the Lord. So amen. Mark that on your calendar and be with us uh, Friday night, 7 o'clock here at the church. And we look forward to our men's fellowship. Judges chapter 5 and verse number 23. This was in the song or the song of praise of the prophetess Deborah. She was praising the Lord for giving she along with the rest of the people of Israel, the people of God, uh, deliverance from their enemy, Sisera, and uh, the host of the Canaanites that were coming against them. God had brought deliverance from them, and she's praising the Lord. And nestled in the middle of these verses is a verse that almost seems out of place, but it's not out of place. The Bible said all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And you really have to. I guess God let it jump off the page at me and dealt with me along these lines. It reads, Curse ye Maraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. I want to preach to you this morning about the bitter curse of being uninvolved. The bitter curse of being uninvolved. I want to tell you that when God calls you, he expects and even demands our involvement. And if we choose not to be involved, if we choose not to participate, if we choose just to let it be, so to speak, there is a bitter curse that comes along with uninvolvement. I want to talk to you about that today as God's dealt with my heart. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I am grateful, thankful, and rejoice that my name is in the book of life. I'm thankful, Lord, for the good gift of the Holy Ghost to those that believe upon you. And I ask you, Lord, that you'll just pour out your spirit in this house this morning, that we'll be able to feel your presence for in your presence, there's fullness of joy and at your right hand pleasures forevermore. Touch us, help us, anoint us to preach today what you've laid upon our heart. God, let everybody that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. I pray that as we feel conviction, our conviction will compel us to be involved in the work of God, in the kingdom of God. We would involve ourselves, O oh God, in what you've called us and chosen us for in this late hour that the church would be the church 
in these last days. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? amen. The curse of Moraz, the Bible said that the angel of the Lord pronounced this curse. And if you study the word of God, the angel of the Lord was considered to be the pre-incarnate version of Jesus Christ. It was the, the Lord himself. She said, curse ye Moraz, said the angel of the Lord, curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. So the curse of Moraz was the curse of simply not doing anything, trying to take a neutral position and standing back and not offering any help in the work of God. And it's tragic today that many people are found guilty of the same thing. Yeah. Non-involvement. Yeah, right. Standing back doesn't mean that they fought against the work of God. There are a lot of good people today. They're not the enemies of God in that they are fighting against God's work. They're not fighting the preacher. They're not fighting a family member that's living for God. They're not, you know, fighting against the church. I just returned from India, and the government is actively involved in engagement against the church. Yeah. I'll tell you some of the things that their government do if, if, if the church has been in existence in, in regimes of, of, you know, yesterday and years past, then that church is there. It's you know, planted within that community or in that city. And they have confined the people of that church to the walls of that church. They've passed uh, non-conversion laws that if you walk outside of the building and tell anybody about Jesus to try to get them saved or delivered or healed or set free, then you can go to prison. But if it's in a church building that's designated as a church, well, then that's the only place you can talk about Jesus. And if the church swells in its number, if they are reaching people and they have no room, they, they fight against the church in this manner. The government says, we're not allowing you to build any more churches. We're not selling you any real estate we're not giving you any permits to build a building where you're going to designate it as a church. You've got what you have, and you're never getting anything else. That's fighting against the church. I just want to tell you, for every government, for every dictator, for every person, man, woman, boy, girl, that fights against God's church, you're fighting a losing battle. Amen. The church uh, has been here for over 2,000 years uh, and it's going to be here when it's all said and done. Right. Yeah. Heaven and earth's going to pass away, but Jesus said, my word will never pass away. God said, Christ said, I'm coming back for a glorious church. Right. And he said, the church is going to reign with him and rule with him as long as the earth is. Uh, so if you're fighting against the church, that's a losing battle. Moraz did not fight against the people of God. 
but they did not involve themselves in the battle when the enemy of God was fighting against God's people. They said, we're not on any side. We don't have no problem with Sisera and the Canaanites. We don't want to make any enemies out of them. We don't have a problem with you. Your problems with them and their problems with you. We just don't want to be involved. That was America's stand during World War II, wasn't it? We don't want to be involved. But we found out that the Japanese wanted us to be involved. And so they invaded Pearl Harbor. And that attack still looms ominous today as one of the worst attacks against our sovereignty in American history. And the whole world paid a devastating price. But America learned that it is better to be proactive in diplomacy. Proactive in foreign diplomacy than to wait. In other words, you need to be involved in what's going on, even in neighboring countries, lest the war come to your land. We find the same thing in the kingdom of God. It's tragic today that many people choose to stand back and not be involved in the work of God, in the spiritual warfare that takes place on a daily basis. God wants to do a work in the world today. And God has chosen to use people to do that work. And when a call comes out from God to the work, it becomes our responsibility to stand and to respond to God's call. There's a harvest to be reaped. And Jesus gave a parable, the third, the sixth, the ninth, and then ultimately the eleventh hour. He went into the marketplace and found men standing idle, doing nothing. While there was work to be done, they were not involving themselves. He said, why stand ye here all the day idle? Nobody's hiring me. Nobody's employing me. He said, well, I'll hire you. I'll employ you. Go in labor in the field. At the end of the day, I'll reward you. I'll give you a day's pay for a day's work. And as the day progressed, uh, even to the last hour of the day, the day was from six in the morning to six at night. Uh, and at five in the evening, he still found men uninvolved in the work of God. And he said, I'll give you an entire day's wage uh, if you'll, Involve yourself in this last hour. I want to tell you, you may have never been involved in kingdom work. You may have never been involved in kingdom business. I'm telling you, we're living in the last hour of the age. If you'll hear the call of God and put your hands to the plow and go to work for the kingdom, if you'll answer God's call, heaven will be yours. Amen. If we don't respond to the call to help the Lord do his work, somebody said, well, God's God. He don't need my help. That's true. He don't need any of our help. But he's chosen to employ us in his work. 
God could do it all by himself if he wanted to or if he had to, but God has chosen us. It's the will of God that I won't do it to, without you. It's the blessing of our inclusion in the work of God. Amen. Amen. You know, a, a man who's the head of his house may could do it on his own, may could experience something on his own, could take a trip on his own, could do anything he wants to do on his own. But the blessing for him is to include his wife, is to include his children, and that they enjoy it or experience it together as a family. The blessing for us is to be included in the work of God. He's chosen us to help him in his work. If we won't help, if we refuse to help, then we rest under a curse. The curse of being uninvolved. God will accomplish his will in the earth. God will perform his work. God is going to have a church. It's going to be a victorious church, a triumphant church. Heaven is going to be, you know, a reality in just a little while. Nothing hell's done is going to stop the work of God or the will of God. The question is, are you going to be a part of it? In the book of Esther chapter 4 and verse 13, we know that Haman has devised a plan to destroy all the Jewish people. And he's gotten the favor of the king, allowed the king to make a law to kill all of the Jews. And Mordecai heard it, and the Bible said that he rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and ash and was grieving. And word got back to Esther. We understand that the king had put his wife away and had a beauty contest throughout the land to replace the queen that he had put away. And wouldn't you know it, as providence, the providence of God would have it if the enemy is plotting to destroy God's people, God said, I got to have me a queen. That's got, a, that's got the ear of the king. And who wins the beauty contest but a young Jewish girl named Esther. And when Esther gets word of Mordecai grieving, she asks what's wrong. It says, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther in verse 13, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the other Jews. He said, let me tell you something, Esther. You're a Jew. And Haman plans to kill all Jews and don't think that you're going to escape just because you're living in the king's house. He said, for if, all together, if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. If you don't do anything to help us and to save us and to deliver us, uh, then God will bring help from somewhere else. 
if you don't do your part in, in God's work, uh, then God will enlist somebody else to do it. He said, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. In other words, uh, there's a curse of uninvolvement. You and your father's house are going to die. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I want to tell you, for such a time as this, you were born. You were born for the dark day that we live in today. God didn't call somebody else. God didn't choose another man or another woman to do his work in this late hour. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, in the last days, perilous times shall come. You were chosen by God to live in perilous times. Uh, if we choose to do nothing, the curse of it will be us and our house uh, will die and perish. Uh, but if God called you and God chose you, he'll empower you to do his will in the earth. Thanks be to God. Verse 15, then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go and gather all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me. And neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in under the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. If you went to the king's chamber uninvited, unannounced, it was a 50-50 chance. If he didn't hold the scepter to say, you're welcome to come in, then you got put to death. She said, if I go in, even though I'm his wife, if I go in uninvited and unannounced, he may put me to death. But call it fast. If God has chosen me to be in this palace for such a time as this, to save my people, so that they not perish, call it fast. Uh, tell all the people to involve themselves. Uh, I'm here, yeah. they're out there. But everybody needs to be involved. Uh, don't eat or drink, uh, night or day. And my involvement in it uh, is that we'll fast on the inside, you fast on the outside. I'll go before the king, and if I die, I'll die. But I choose uh, to be involved. Amen. Mordecai assured Esther, if you fail, then the Jews' deliverance will come from another place. But you and your house will be slain. You'll lose out. You'll be cut off. God is going to deliver his people. God is going to have a church. The word of God says it will be. God will do a work in these last days, and he's going to use men and women to do it. But if we fail to respond to the call of God, if we fail to help God do his work, uh, then God's work will be done, but we'll fall under the curse of mirage. Uh, we'll be lost. Uh, our family will be lost. Uh, our children will be lost. Uh, and ultimately, our nation might be lost. Matthew 12 and 30. He that is not with me is against me. You understand that? Yes. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Right. The Lord said, if you're not helping me, you're a part of the problem. Yes. If you're not on my side, then you're against me. Yes. 
Matthew 25 and verse 24 says, Then when he, then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where there is not strode. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. He said, You're just lazy is all that's wrong with you. You knew that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I've not strong. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. You should have at least invested my money. Yeah. Loaned it out to the borrowers. And then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Or I should have at least got interest off of the money that I gave unto you. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him which hath ten talents. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from him that hath not, or him that refused to do anything with what I gave him, that shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He tried to, to choose to be uninvolved. If I try to take on this duty, of investing what God has gave me yeah. out there into the market yeah. and gaining, increasing, doing something profitable with what's been given to me. If I involve myself, there's a risk that I might lose the talent. If I invest it, I might lose it. Rather than lose it, I think I'll dig a hole in the backyard put it in a mason jar and bury it. Uh, and whenever he decides to come back, uh, I'll go out there and get it. He simply chose, the Lord called him lazy. He said, you're a wicked and a slothful servant. Uh, you're just lazy. You choose not to be involved because you yeah. don't want to work. Uh, you don't want to take the chance. Uh, you don't want to be at risk. Uh, and he said, the curse of Mirage be upon you. He said, bind him. There's going to be weakness and gnashing of teeth. Uh, I would tell you, if you won't be involved, you'll be lost. The man found out the hard way. It's better to take a chance with God. It's better to take a risk working and laboring. I want you to start a church. I don't know how to start a church. I don't know how to develop leadership. I don't know how to draft the constitution and bylaws that the church will be governed by. I don't know how to form a, you know, a, a nonprofit organization. I don't know how to, you know, draft up a, an incorporation. It's almost uh, like a business. You. Draft an incorporation. It's a nonprofit organization. All that requires paperwork. I don't know how to do any of that, Lord. I'm terrified at the thought of it. If I can get that done and we secure a building, I don't know how to uh, how to you know start start something up from scratch. Uh, you got to grow leaders, develop leaders. Uh, I don't know where we'll find uh, men to be on a board. I don't know. How, you know, if uh, there'll be people qualified to be uh, Sunday school teachers, uh, I don't know 
if I'll have any musicians or singers uh, or any such thing. Uh, it'd be easy just to go sit under somebody else uh, and listen to them preach uh, and watch them do the work. Uh, but I heard the call to do it uh, even if it's a risk, uh, even if you don't understand how, even if you don't know where, even if you're afraid of the cost involved. Uh, oh, it's a risk you better take uh, because to fail to be involved uh, when God puts a calling on your life uh, is to curse yourself uh, to die. I think, what if I chose to be uninvolved? I can tell you the what if. Probably my children would be lost. They wouldn't love the Lord. They wouldn't be employed or choose to be not employed but engaged in ministry. My grandchildren probably wouldn't love the Lord or want to know the Lord. There's a blessing of involving yourself. You might not have the biggest church, but God didn't tell you how big it'd be. He just said, go. You might not have the largest bankroll. God's not interested in how much money's in the bank. He said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Well, you pastor a church. Why you got to go evangelize? You pastor a church. You preach all the time. Why do you need to go to India and preach? Because he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into the streets. Go into the cities. Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come that my house might be full until all have heard God said you're under a mandate to go and to preach. Only as you go and preach, then the rest of the promise is on you. And lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the earth. I want to tell you, God's not going to sit on the, in the easy chair and hold his arms and twiddle his thumbs and do nothing. God's always moving. God's always speaking. God's always saving, healing, baptizing. God is a God that's at work. The problem is, am I employed in that work? Being a Christian is anything but boring. Hallelujah to God. God will put your feet to walking. He'll put your hands to working. He'll put your mouth to speaking. Ooh, hallelujah. I feel God in this house. Amen. Listen, that man with one talent. He said, I, I, I have too much. It's hard enough for me to try to make money and provide for myself and for my wife and for my children without having to worry about the losing money for the kingdom by making a bad investment. It was easy for him not to be involved until the reckoning day came. His uninvolved attitude became his demise and the demise of his whole house. In Luke 10 and 25, behold a certain lawyer. When we say lawyer, I'm not talking about one that you need when you go in the courtroom. It's talking about a student of the word of God. Somebody who studied God's word and was supposed to know it inside and out. A certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do 
to inherit eternal life. He said unto him, what is written in the law? In other words, you're an expert. Tell me what the book says. How readest thou? And he answered and said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, good answer. Do those two things and you'll live. But he willing to justify himself unto Jesus said, who is my neighbor? How about that? You say, go and do those two things and I'll live, but who is my neighbor? Jesus gave him a parable. Said a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way when he saw him he passed by on the other side. Preacher came down and saw a man stripped and wounded and beaten and nearly dead. He said, I'm a busy man. I don't need to involve myself by helping this man who's nearly dead. I don't have time. I can't save everybody. Maybe he's bleeding. Maybe he's dead. If he comes in contact with blood, he's ceremonially unclean. If he comes in contact with the dead, he's ceremonially unclean. It's not, it won't benefit me to help the man because I'll only bring injury or ill repute to myself. So he chose to be uninvolved. And likewise, a Levite, those were those called into the ministry. When he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Yeah. So you've got the preacher and all the lay ministry yeah. who choose not to be involved, but a certain Samaritan, yeah. a man who was considered by the Jews to be a dog, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and he went to him and bound up his wounds pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. The priest and the Levite sealed their doom in God's eyes by their unwillingness to be involved. Not even ministry, church attendance can absolve you from doing God's work. What more do you want from me? I pastor a church. What more can you ask of me? I teach a Sunday school class. God said, I ask of you whatever I want to ask of you. Yes. 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 
If it's your neighbor across the street, if it's a co-worker on the job, if it's your children in the home, if it's your co-classmates in the school, I'll employ you wherever I send you. You're not only confined to the four walls of the church. Luke 14 and 16, Then sent he unto him a certain man, made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuses. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Well, I would say to him, who buys land without even seeing it? I don't know. Rich people's problems, not mine. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. Who's going to buy five yoke of oxen? They don't even know if they can pull a plow or not. He did. He said, I pray thee have me excuse. Another said, he didn't even hardly give no excuse. He just said, I married a wife, and I just can't come. I'm married and she ain't gonna let me come. <laughs> every husband's laughing, every wife's saying, <laughs> So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded, and yet there's still room for more. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house might be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Yeah. The first said, I bought a piece of land and need to see it. Uh, he had a business excuse. The other said, I bought five yoke of oxen and need to try them out in the field. He had a practical excuse. I have a, a job. I have work to do. And the last said, I just got married. He had a domestic excuse. I got trouble at the house. I can't come. They all said, we cannot or choose not to, to be involved because we all have our own lives to live and to worry about. I'll never forget as a member of this church said to me, you, you, you're always scheduling revival. You have a camp meeting and you make it morning and night. You want us to come to prayer meeting. You, 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 you have all kind of stuff. He said, look, this is your job. We have jobs. We have lives to live. We can't always be attending, you know, to, to things and, and matters of the church. I said, I'll tell you something, buddy. This ain't my job. It's my calling. This was a job. I'd be like you. I'd be looking for a better one. I'd be looking for a raise every quarter. Hello? This ain't my job. This is my calling. You do whatever you want to do. You're blessed to be included in God's plan. 
you don't want to do nothing, then don't do anything. If you don't want to come to a single service, you just stay at the house. But it's you and your family that's going to lose out. They said we can't be involved. You know what? You never heard about them again. I don't ever read nothing else about the man and his land. I don't read another word about the man and his five yoke of oxen. And I never heard what happened to the newlywed that got married. God left them out of his plan. Pilate and his wife committed the sin of not being involved. You can't just have nothing to do with Jesus. They brought Jesus for Pilate to try him. Jesus was, or Pilate was determined to let him go because he found nothing wrong with Jesus. And they said, no, no, if you're going to let somebody go, we want Barabbas. But as for Jesus, we want him to be crucified. While this debate was going on, Pilate's wife came and said, have nothing to do with this just man. Mm -hmm. For I had a long disturbing dream. Concerning him last night. Don't have anything to do. With killing this man. It's going to. It's going to be bad if you do. He said well look. It's custom for me to release one prisoner. Let me release Jesus. They said no. Release unto us Barabbas but crucified Jesus. And the Bible said that Pilate took a basin of water and poured it over his hands and said, I wash my hands in innocency of this man. I'm not going to have anything to do with this crucifixion. And he released Barabbas and he gave them Jesus to be crucified. He scorched him and sent him out to be crucified. You can't wash your hands concerning Calvary, sir. You can't wash your hands concerning what you do with Christ. He's a God with whom you have to do. He's a God that has to be dealt with. You're for him or you're against him. There's no neutrality. You stand with him or you stand against him. You say, well, man, that's tough. God is just. God is just. You know what just means? He's fair. And he ain't asking nothing of you that he didn't first do himself. You want to know the level of your involvement? You want to know why you're saved? You want to know why your name's in the book of life? You want to know why you've got peace with God? And you know that you're on your way to the city whose builder and maker is God because God himself chose to be involved in the salvation of lost humanity. God could have said, I didn't sin. I didn't believe the lie of the serpent. I haven't sinned. I haven't done anything wrong. He that sins, he's going to die. He that sins is going to be worthy of death. If they sinned, good enough for them. Let them die. But God's involvement was, for God so loved the world that he gave. God chose to become invested in your life. 
invested into your salvation invested into your healing with his stripes uh, we're healed invested uh, into your deliverance uh, how by involving himself 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might be rich. The word poor there in the Greek is the Greek word for beggar. He, though he was rich, became a beggar. Also, now English is not derived from Greek. Our English is derived from Latin. So the Greek is the word beggar, but the Latin word where we get poor from is the word where we get bankrupt from. Jesus emptied himself so that you might be rich in God. Jesus emptied out himself so that you might have eternal life. Jesus gave of himself until he was bankrupt. He didn't tithe so that you could get saved. He gave everything he had. Jesus didn't go a tenth of the way. Somebody said, well, I'm involved. I pay tithe to the church. I'm involved. You realize what, what kind of shape we'd be in if all Jesus gave was a tenth? Somebody said, man, Preaching. I ain't trying to preach hard. Preach. I, I, yeah. We're called to give. Right. And we're blessed to involve ourselves in giving. Amen. When we give, God gives back to us. The Bible says, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You can't outgive God. But we're called to give. I want to tell you, if God only gave partially, if God only invested a tenth uh, into the salvation of man, we'd be 90% lost today. But the Bible said he gave until he bankrupted himself. He that was rich became poor that we might be saved. Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Christ was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. God took upon himself the form of flesh and became a man and dwelt with man and wasn't born in a palace but was born in a manger and wasn't the governor or the prince or the king but he was raised the son of a carpenter. Nobody knew his name until his name became a 
curse word, a byword, a word that was despised and rejected among men. But he chose to be involved. He became obedient unto God. Obedient unto death. The death of the cross. Why should I die? Why should I go to the cross? Why should I be mocked? Why should I be hated? Why should I be spit upon? So that they might be saved. I'll go. I'll do it. Even if it costs me my very life. You see, when he asked you to enlist, when he asked the inhabitants of Maraz, help me to fight against those that are trying to destroy my name, those that are trying to destroy my people, those that are set against my church, help me in the labor, help me in the fight. God said, I won't ask of you what I was not willing to do myself. We involve ourselves by our attendance. Somebody said, I'm saved and I don't have to go to church to be saved. I'm glad you get saved anywhere. It ain't church attendance that saves you. It's the grace of God that saves you. But if you're saved, you're going to be involved. None of us are islands unto ourselves. He said, feed my sheep. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You're called to minister to somebody. You're called to be an example to somebody. You're called to teach somebody. You're called to lead the way for somebody else and disciple somebody. To be involved is to be a part of the church. We're involved by attending. We're involved through our giving. I've already mentioned that. We're called to give so that the work of God can be done. We can't all go, but we can send. We can give and support the work. We involve ourselves through prayer. You can't go to the field. You can pray for them that are on the field. If you're not a minister of the you know, called to preach the word, you can pray for the ones that do preach the word. If you're not called to teach, you can pray for your Sunday school teacher. If you're not called to be a missionary, you can pray for those that are on the field. If you're not a musician or a singer, you can pray that the Holy Ghost will fall that the Holy Ghost will anoint, that the Holy Ghost will inhabit the praise of his people. You can pray for the salvation of those that enter the door, for the healing of the sick that come. I'm going to tell you, prayer is a labor. Prayer is war. Prayer is work. And we're called to pray as much as we're called to give. We're called to pray as much as we're called to be faithful in our attendance. You involve yourself by worship. Well, I'm embarrassed. I can't sing real well. Well, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Sometimes a noise might come in the form of clapping. I can't play an instrument, but I tap the tambourine. What are you doing? I'm involved. I ain't no piano player, 
But honey, I play that tambourine, I tap on it. I can't play the drums, make my hands and feet go different rhythms at the same time. I tap on the tambourine, I'm involved. I can't play a guitar. I'm just tapping the tambourine, but I'm involved. I don't even want to do that. Well, clap your hands. Tap your toe. Bob your head. Wave your arm. Lift your voice. I mean, do something. Let everybody know I love him. I've come to worship him. Hallelujah. I watch people make a fool of themselves in restaurants, you know, karaoke night. They can't see a lick. But you put enough alcohol in them, they'll sure give it a shot. And I'm thinking, oh man, if I knew this was karaoke night, I wouldn't have came here. Because this is painful to my ears. They don't care. And I want to tell you, this is Sunday. This is Sunday morning. Tonight will be Sunday night. And we open every service with worship. And if they don't care at Applebee's and they don't care at Buffalo Wild Wings, then I don't care in the house of God. I'm going to worship Him. Hallelujah. I'm going to be involved. Thank you, Lord. You can involve yourself by going. Everybody ain't a preacher, but every mission trip ain't about preaching. Sometimes we go and build a church or build a house or do whatever. You can be involved by going. You can simply be involved by doing. Amen. Get with one of these that's involved in outreach. Amen. You can go with me. Well, I... COVID wrecked it, but for 20 years, I went to the RV park by myself. You understand? I wasn't up here moaning the blues. If God calls you to do something, do it. You do it whether you got a crowd or do it if you're by yourself. I go. We sang a cappella. I can't play no instrument. We sang a cappella. And I preached to them. And I gave an altar call and I prayed over their needs. There's 20 years. Either somebody's going to go or nobody's going to go. Don't you know that uh, I wanted somebody to play the piano? But that means uh, you got to be there at 8.30, which means i got to get up at uh, 6 or 7 and get myself ready. You done cut way in to my Saturday night sleep. Uh, you made my Sunday longer. I know all of that. Uh, amen. But God said, involve yourself uh, in reaching snowbirds. Uh, so for 20 years prior to COVID, I went. Ain't beg nobody to help. If they help, great. I ask people to help. Want to help? Uh, oh yeah, I'd like to, but man, that's early. I got to, I got to, I got kids to get ready. I got to be ready for Sunday school. I got to get ready for this. That's all right. That's fine. I don't hold no hard feelings. And I'm just saying, if part of involvement is uh, find you something to do. Yeah. Find you somewhere to go. Yeah. Knock on the door. Walk across the street from your neighbor. Hold a Bible study. 
go to a go to a rehab center, go to the jails. Uh, there's somebody you can reach for. Kirsten, if you help me, I need to quit. If you're able, stand with me this morning. I want you to hear again the word of the Lord. Not my words. The word of the Lord. It says, and the angel of the Lord said, Curse ye Maraz. Curse ye the inhabitants thereof. For they came not to the help of the Lord. To help the Lord in his battle against the mighty. God is calling us this morning to the battlefield. And it should not seem like a should not seem like it's too hard of a request because in this nation that I live in at the age of 18 years old by law I had to register. You hear me? By law, I had to register that if there is a war, that I was required by law, if they had a draft, that I register for the draft. And that if I refused to fight on behalf of my nation, this country deemed me unfit to be a citizen, and I could be in prison because of it. We're totally okay with that. We're fine with that. If a man enlist to serve his country and then he bails out before the battle. We call him a traitor. We call him treasonous or a coward. And yet people bail on the church all the time. It's not a request that's unreasonable by God that we involve ourselves in what God has chosen us to do and who God has called us to be or to reach. Any number of ways God has chosen you to be involved and my answer this morning must be send me Lord I'll go or my answer must be yes yes if that's your answer this morning would you meet me in this altar let's lift up holy hands to heaven tell the Lord Lord I choose for me and my house we will serve the Lord for me and my house we will serve the Lord my answer today is that I will involve myself I'll involve myself through prayer I'll involve myself in worship I'll involve myself in giving and going in doing, my answer is yes, Lord. 